three, two, one. Welcome to Hungry Hip Hop, potluck style reviews where we dish out the freshest takes on Northeast artists who serve a nub. We're looking for the spiciest bars, vibes, and production in order to expand our palettes and diversify our playlists. And this is my birthday week, everybody. This is Mark here. I am turning 28. And since it is my birthday week, I got to choose what album we review today. And so, because Milo refused to listen to it, even though he likes Bastard, we are going to review Tyre the Creator's Goblin album, which appropriately did drop 10 years uh, ago, May 2011. But the single from the album, Yonkers, dropped February 2011. So it's almost exactly a decade afterwards. So if you don't know, everyone should know by now, but Tyler the Creator is from Los Angeles, California. Tyler O'Connor is his real name. And he, him and his Odd Future crew came up around the 2011, 2010, 2011 era and was incredibly influential to what you will see in the hip hop scene over the next decade or so. Um, Tyler had one of those wild fanatic fan bases similar to that of an Eminem of past or a more recent maybe XSX and Tatsion. Tyler had stands, even made songs similar to stand where just talking about the incredible, you know, dedication some of his fans had to him. So that being said, I really don't feel like he needs too much more of an introduction. Um, we could talk about him a lot more during this album because, you know, a lot a lot of this album shows you know, a lot of personal sides of him that we could kind of start to dissect and talk about. But I kind of really just want to get into it. So let's do this. And Milo, I'm going to ask you first, what did you think of this album? So this is Milo live and in stereo. And so just some background so that people know what's in store for them. So actually, this is our longest project that we've done. Really? This is the longest one. It is... 42 seconds longer than Stankonia. So Stankonia is coming in second place. So, and that's without the bonus material. If you listen to the the deluxe version, it's an hour and 22 minutes. So if you're listening to this, if you've been following the podcast, typically the albums, like on average, the albums we review are about 49, 50 minutes. So this is long. This is going to be pretty long. If you've made it through Stankonia listening to it, then, you're in pretty good shape but if you're used to those little quick 49 minuters this is going to feel long to you Mm -hmm. and as far as content goes another warning uh, a lot of the content in this album may offend no it it definitely will offend (laughs) a lot of people's (laughs) modern 2021 sensibilities Mm -hmm. so expect the other f-bomb expect a lot of misogyny expect a lot of I think of the misogyny oh uh there's a what do you call it reenactment of a school shooting in one song so if any of that stuff makes you turn green or is offensive to you and just by mentioning it this probably isn't the project for you mm-hmm. at any rate so as far as my feelings about the album I kind of have a thing about sequels Iron Man 2, trash. Indiana, Temple of Doom, trash. And what what else? The, the list goes on. But, oh, Captain America Civil War, trash. What? So, Fuck out of here, bro. <laughs> Not good. Uh, 
but Godfather 2 was good. And I would say this is a Godfather 2. This was yes. a, a very I'm so appropriate happy. <laughs> and apt follow-up to Bastard. I was I've been waiting for this for a year, dog. <laughs> like, give me this. <laughs> so, because for the longest time, I didn't watch Godfather 2. I was like, I refuse. I watched The Godfather. I refuse to, I refuse to watch the second one. Then yeah. somebody recommended it, and then I gave it a chance, and I liked it. And I guess that's the same case here with Goblin. So, I ended up liking the album. We can get into more details as we talk about particular songs, but that's my initial impression. Dog, you owe both Alan and I an apology. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I've been waiting for so long for you to listen to this goddamn album. But yeah, um, uh, off tops, so just real quick, can you tell me uh, in short summary how you feel compared to Bastard? So the direct answer to your question is I can't because I listened to Bastard what would be now over a, over a year ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably a year and a half, maybe even two years. It was not that so, long. Not that long. <laughs> not that long? Okay. No, it, it was, so, it was it, probably around a year. It would definitely be over a year. I thought about giving Bastard a second listen, but then I thought that might bias me. Mm-hmm. I would be so hyped off of Bastard again. Mm-hmm. Going into Goblin might sway my opinion. Mm-hmm. So I can't I can't really tell you because I it was so long ago when I listened to the mixtape. That's fine. Alan, what did you think of this album? So a little context for myself. I was one of those weirdo kids that found out about (laughs) Tyler in like 2009, 2010, uh, listening to Bastard. And I was actually part of the buildup online and part of just the like the massive hype train that all these weirdo high schoolers were taking part in around this time. And when Goblin hit, it was two days after my birthday uh, when I was going to be 18 right as I was about to graduate from high school. And this was just kind of the album that was one of the major anthems for me and my friends where we just like hated our school. We hated everything. And Tyler was just, along with Mac Miller, was just right there with this album as kind of the dude who was bringing us these kind of anthems all about just like hating authority and everything. And so for me being 18 and discovering this album, I ate up every single song Mm -hmm. and I could have and I've listened to it basically continually since then this is one of the reasons why Mark and I first became friends uh basically finding out that we both love Tyler so much Mm -hmm. but an interesting thing happened as I was coming back to this album like Milo you'd mentioned this album is kind of long as fuck and man this album is a lot longer than I expected just knowing that I've had like come back a lot to her and to analog golden au 79 that i've listened to basically this whole time but there's a lot of stuff tron cat like burger and a lot of the like songs that are meant to be abrasive i feel like for me being the old ass man of 27 that i am mm-hmm. i just don't work for me as much anymore and it's really What I want to say positive about going back into this album is that I can see how this artist eventually would make Igor. Um, So much about, yeah, there's so much about Bastard and Flower. Like, I actually noticed this little parallel. If you think of Bastard, Goblin as a set, and then Flower Boy, Igor as a set, Mm -hmm. the first album of each set is about Tyler not knowing who I am. I have all these feelings that I'm kind of 
experiencing with bastard it's hating authority with flower boy it's boredom and lack of purpose but on igor and goblin he comes in with just this personality and you know who you know who the goblin is and you know who igor is and so i really like that this album is so much about identity and so much i relate about becoming an adult around the same time as Tyler. So I really do love this album, but man, some of the songs are, I'm sorry to ramble. Some of the songs though, I just can't really like fuck with anymore at this point, but doesn't take away. I still do love this album. I just wasn't, I didn't walk away loving it as much as I did in 2011, if that makes sense. A quick technical question. What is the last track on the standard album? Golden. It's golden. Okay. Yeah, Golden. Um, he always ends his albums like that. So this is so Bastard ended with Inglorious. So, but the first song's Bastard. So it's Inglorious Bastard. On Goblin, it's Golden Goblin. On Wolf, it's Lone Wolf. So he always does that with his, or at least he did it with the first three albums. I don't think he's done it since though. But um, yeah. So for how I felt about this album, going back and giving another listen. I, would, I don't want to say I listen to this album too often. If I if I go and listen to Tyler, if I'm listening to his newer stuff, I'll almost just go directly to Igor. If I'm listening to his older stuff, I'll go to Wolf, which is my favorite album of the trilogy. Um, Bastard, Goblin, and Wolf are all part of a trilogy of albums. So I typically go back and listen to Wolf because I think that's a little better of an album in general. That being said, I do go back to this album at least once a year, once, twice a year probably more often than that though but i've given this album easily over probably 50 lessons if not 100 <laughs> love it to death going back again i will fully say i agree with you alan like there's just things that really no longer hit like they used to like there's there's something about tyler that really affects when you're you know young emotional you don't know what life is people have only told you you couldn't do things you know like it's just it, something about his rebellion really 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 you know kicks in at that age um when you get older though and start kind of like living life more and like you see tyler himself grew out of that you know and so it's kind of hard to kind of stay in that mindset that being said though a lot of these songs had such a strong effect on me that they were actually still able to pull a, a decent you know effect on me songs such as goblin the intro track which honestly if you want to start out i would love to start out with that track um but for me goblin the intro track is one of just Tyler's masterpieces. It's great. I, I I can't think of people who anyone who does intro tracks better than Tyler. If I'm being honest, Tyler like Goblin is an amazing intro track, and um, it's you know kind of his version of the intro track Bastard on his album Bastard. You know, um, I didn't think he would top that, but he somehow did. So, uh, Alan, what do you think of that intro track? I really loved it and I got a different feeling out of it than I did back in the day because when mm -hmm. I first heard it like this whole thing is put against the backdrop of a school counselor session mm -hmm. where Dr. TC is talking to Tyler and Tyler's just this he's doing his best to just be as obnoxious <laughs> as he can to Dr. TC and just mm -hmm. like I don't want this dude to hate me and so I loved it like back in the day just thinking i love how tyler is being just himself he's just saying fuck you he's just talking to the counselor about raping women and stuff and dr tc just has to sit there and say you don't mean that tyler you don't really mean that mm -hmm. and 
coming back to it, I felt like I was more Dr. TC that I was having this thought like, mm. Tyler, why are you saying this? No one knows you're, no one thinks you're a rapist. Yeah. Like literally no one actually thinks that no matter how much you yell at your shows that you are. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm speaking mostly just about the content of what was said. Uh, but I think the exchange is really, really funny. And one of the times that talking in a rap track like works for me and it sets the whole stage of like the rest of the album. And I think the backdrop of talking to a counselor is a great way to bring in these themes of identity where at the end of the album is going to talk about I'm Ace, I'm Wolf Haley, mm-hmm. I'm the Goblin. And so I think it just works as a great, great like table setting for the album. So I loved it. Milo? Oh, yeah. Okay, wait, sorry, I just want to say one thing real quick. Um, in the intro, uh, he lets you know, like, very off the top, that, like, this is part two. Because um, Dr. TC starts with saying, you wouldn't do that, Tyler. Kill yourself or anyone. You don't even have the balls to begin with. What you need is me, someone to talk to. Uh, it's been a while since our last session, so tell me what's been going on. So as you get into this album, if this is even your first time listening to Tyler, he's letting you know that, there was a previous part to this that you got to check out. So it really is a whole story, but good. Milo. Yeah. Okay. So this, this intro track, I thought it was a very good thesis statement for the album and that it works well as an intro. Do I think it's the strongest intro I've ever heard, uh, ever heard that uh, that's a no. <clears throat> also just a heads up. This is something I didn't uh, mention at the outset. So the, Average length of the song on this album is about five minutes. And this intro is almost seven minutes, which takes me back to Tuscan Leather. Like, how long these niggas been in on an intro? It, however, the I did like the therapy background. I like I like the therapy theme when Joyner Lucas did it on his latest album. I think his album was called ADHD. He also has this, it's a child talking to a therapist, but the therapist actually turns out to be like super abusive and not as understanding as Mr. TC. So at any rate, it was a very good showcase, I think, of Tyler's cleverness, saying stuff like, who doesn't have ADD? Just the tonality of that implies Mm -hmm. that you're saying everyone has it. And then he goes, I don't, which is I thought was wonderful. The devil doesn't wear Prada. I'm clearly in a white tee. Mm -hmm. Great. And a bunch of other things he, he he says regarding his angst that, I could relate to. So as far as giving a thesis statement for the project and showcasing his ability as an MC, I thought, I thought it was a a great intro in that respect. The last thing I'll finish off with is that I thought the disrespect to the underground when he talks about a mortal technique and how he doesn't listen to them is pretty interesting because he sounds a lot like Busta Rhymes in certain places throughout this album, just maybe with a little more bass and his flows are certainly not avant-garde or too different from what you might get from the early 2000s or late 90s at any rate. So I'm so glad you brought that up because I had almost a little theory about that, that the idea of, I think Tyler wants to come off as a little bit hypocritical where he says, I'm doing things that are completely new. I'm original. I do all this, all this stuff. Uh, but he doesn't always mean it. Like Dr. TC calls out, like, you're not really a rapist. You don't, you're not a murderer. You've never killed anyone. To me, him saying all these things, like I don't listen to rap music and stuff is sort of 
adding to that hypocritical layer that he that got exposed by Dr. TC. But that's a really personal reading that I just that I just had. Actually, that's a, that reading crossed my mind. I, I thought perhaps he's intentionally saying that and then saying one thing and then doing another. You put it perfectly. Is it just being a hypocrite? So right. Um, and but he even, go ahead, Alan. I was going to say Tyler. No one, no one believes that Tyler doesn't listen to rap music, right? Mm-hmm. That would just be ridiculous. Um, but Tyler does go out of his way to shout out the mainstream a lot. When he, there was a famous incident at Camp Flogna where he invited Drake on stage, and then Drake got booed off stage, right? And to me, that's showing that Tyler really is not afraid to do something that's seen as uncool. And even if he says he does the other thing in his songs, he is hypocritical in that way. He'll still get down to a fucking Drake song, even if he hates Bruno Mars on this album, for example. Um, But go ahead, Mark. I was going to say that, I mean, also, I know his kind of calling out the underground comes from an interview released for Tyler came around this time, where he's criticizing the idea of being like a king of the underground or underground rapper. He's like, I don't want to fucking be underground. I want to get Grammys. I want to be nominated for shit. And I mean, if you know anything about Tyler, listen to multiple, multiple of his albums. He wants attention. (laughs) He wants you to see him by any means necessary. um and so for him the idea of staying underground is a horrible idea you know like people kind of complimenting him like oh you're so cool you're underground like no i don't want to be underground i want to get a fucking grammy you know and so that's kind of been his mindset but no i agree with you on the hypocrisy stuff too he um like he'll say something and dr tc will call him out or whatever but there's even the point where uh you know dr tc is like tyler you're gonna have to cut down on that f word and then Tyler goes, I'm not homophobic. And then Dr. TC's like, yeah, I don't mean I don't think you are. But then in the middle of the sentence, Tyler calls him an F word. And so yeah. it's just like, that's one of those things where it's just kind of like, Tyler is constantly telling you that like, I'm not a rapist. I'm not a homophobic. I don't, you know, I'm not, I don't hate women, but because it's, but because it's going to piss you off, I'm going to tell you I do. Like, that's his constant mood. Um, as I was listening to this album and Bastard, actually, like a year ago, I was really just thinking deeply about this is Tyler's entire brand um, between uh, Bastard and Goblin. And it starts to go away once you get to Wolf, which, you know, we could talk about another time. But his whole brand with these two albums is Rebellion. Everything centers around the core of Rebellion, of just, I am not going to do what you want me to do. I will not let you control me. And he will go out of his way to do things very, very abrasive just to show you that you can't control him. There's a song on this album that I can't stand called Bitch Suck Dick. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Which is a horrible, horrible song. (laughs) But um, uh, Real quick before you get to that, though, there's another line on Goblin where, let me see if I can find it real quick. Um, give me a second. At the end of the first verse, Tyler says, "Bastard intro." How the fuck am I gonna top that? And so you could tell he's already kind of nervous about uh having to live up to this previous standard of Bastard kind of becoming an underground legend album, as it was, I guess, around the time, and already feeling pressured. But I actually did, do think he topped it with Goblin, which is amazing, uh, to say the least. But 
Actually, I think that was all the only parts I really needed to say around the song. Oh, also, I would say actually in the song, he does start to mention too that he's finally getting famous. So he has a line where he says, uh, I don't even skate anymore. I'm too fucking busy. I can barely kickflip now. And, you know, uh, he talks about living on a couch in like London and things of that nature. And so this is Tyler finally getting some sort of fame. And this album or this song was made after... I would say Yonkers because he references Yonkers in the first line. Um, I'm a 19 year old fucking emotional coaster with pipe dreams. Just kind of tweeted telling people he's bumping all of my shit, you know? Um, and so Kyler or Kanye tweeted the uh, Yonkers music video in February. So this song must've been made sometime after that when he was famous. So, so a comment if, if I can. Mm-hmm. So, what you're describing to me, it sounds totally appropriate. Like you, you both mentioned how he grew out of this. It sounds totally appropriate that he would have made this around the time. He's only, he, what is he like 29 now? So he would have been was 19, 19 or so. Yeah. It makes sense that he, because this just sounds like the way that a high school student would act. Like they really, <laughs> they, and just from people I knew in high school and from what I observed, they just revel in this idea of making their identity chaos. You don't know what to expect from me. Am I just trolling you or is this really who I am? Oh man, I'm so subversive. Let me go, you know, paint a smile on my face and get a purple jacket, (laughs) whatever, become a Batman villain. So, and especially when you're talking about his getting famous and how he just sort of nonchalantly mentions it like, Oh yeah, I'm famous, whatever, LOL. It's, I just, it reminds me, and I know Alan's going to call me out because I mentioned this particular location a lot but there was a high school student who hopped off of the golden gate bridge and survived <laughs> he survived and when funny that he jumped off the bridge i was like damn it's so dark that you laughing that's so dark well he, he lived and he basically his response to why he did it amounted to i did it for the thrill darling like that's it like that's what high school students think it's funny to jump off of a bridge for clout. Yeah. So the what you two are saying paints a, this, the profile is perfect. And I understand mm-hmm. why he grew out of it. Because once you get old, you realize, wow, this is like a 600 foot drop. I could die. <laughs> Let me not, you know. <laughs> yeah. If I could go Sorry, back Alan. one week in our podcast to <laughs> jump off a bridge for attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, 100%. 100%. <laughs> And I mean, that a lot of people criticize Tyler on that, on the idea of like, when you first hear him, you're like, oh, shock value. He's purely shock value. Yeah. He's trying to say the most disturbing things so that you can't help but like pay attention to him. You know, it's literally, it's like a car wreck. It's just, wow, that is gruesome, but I just can't look away. I think that's what Tyler's trying to do to you. He saw work for Eminem. He's doing it himself. But also similar to Eminem, I would say that Though they are 100% using shock value as a way to get your attention, once they get your attention, there's still something there to say, though. There's still content, and that's what Tyler. Uh, I mean, this song, as Milo mentioned, this song's, what, over six minutes, so this is a long song, so we can't break down every lyric. But you could take away this entire album and just play just this one song and see the shock value, but also the deep content at the same time. Because he's talking, there's lines already where he talks about uh oh, i really loved it actually that was a line i meant to mention earlier where he says oh whatever i can't find it but it's a line where he talks about his dad no longer 
uh, being around, but he says it in some really sarcastic teenager way. But he says, yeah, uh, this is gone. It's kind of like my dad, no longer here or whatever. And so. Oh, I think I wrote that down. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, I don't know why I can't see it all of a sudden. But, Competition missing like that nigga my mom fucked. Yeah. You know, and exactly like that's even a, like a very aggressive way to put, yeah, my, my dad's not around. You know, I, uh, I I don't have a father that was here that loved me and raised me, you know? And so it's just, it's just kind of creative, braggadocious way of saying that. So even beyond all the shock value of, you know, using really obscene language and saying crazy stuff, like he's really about to talk about some deep emotional issues that, on, that he has. And at points of this album gets really, really, really like actually transparent and vulnerable. And then he complains about not having a Grammy and then fast forward like what, nine or so years later oh this isn't the grammy i wanted (laughs) Uh, i'm not in the category but (laughs) you know everyone changes everyone you know know. and his whole thing is being is being contradictory yeah tyler's never gonna really be happy i don't like i don't want to read into his personal too much but i know that even as he's been famous in the time since this album just complained about that that's fire boy yeah, well, yeah, that literally is the theme of Flower Boy, that even now that he does have all these things. And I'm sad as fuck. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's never going to, it's never going to be enough for Tyler. But anyway, we should move on to another song. Another song. <laughs> Was it BSD you wanted to talk about? Oh, God. Okay, we can. And <laughs> no, well, it sounded this, like. <laughs> okay, the song BSD, aka Bitch Suck Dick, is. One of those times that reminds me that Odd Future had to come to an end eventually. <laughs> you saw it, the writing on the wall. <laughs> and not at the time. I'm sure when me and my buddies were in high school, we would be driving around in the car going, and bitch suck dick like she <laughs> suck dick. But, you know, it's different when you're 18 versus 27, where I am now. To me, there's not a lot of just redeeming qualities about this song you you know what the song is if you've heard me do it you you know it but this is what i mean when i say i didn't enjoy this as much as i did when i was in high school if you're listening to this and you're 17 you might be able to fuck with it but i think there's even better songs on this album that are better angry driving music mark alan you said that so perfectly like goblin listen to at 18 years old, listen to at 28 years old. Like it's impactful. It's emotional. It's really there. I love it. Bitch suck dick at 18 years old was, Oh, this is hilarious. Like, yo, he's wilding out at 20 years old. It's like, why why are we wasting our time with this? Like, this is, this is stupid. Why, why, why is this even on the album? Like there's, there's no good reason for this to be on the album. It's not a serious song. He didn't take this seriously. He's not even really rapping. It's it sounds like a freestyle session where they're just saying the most obscene stuff. There's this, there's literally zero content to this song. Um, You know, uh, it was later that he said uh, that he always does what he can to put, Jasper and Taco, which are two other members of Our Future, but neither who have uh, musical ability. It, because they're his two best friends, his goal was always to put them on a song. And so on Bastard, he put them on a song on, I think, what was it? What was the song called on Bastard? I can't remember, but on Bastard, he put them on a song. He does it on a Goblin, does it again on Wolf, and 
Uh, I think once after Wolf, he stopped doing that. But for those first three albums, he does has he has at least one song that has Jasper and Taco, where they will say the most ignorant shit you can imagine, <laughs> and they're not even. You know, so it sounds you know what's like- so funny about it though is that you have songs with Jasper and Taco, but then there's fucking Frank Ocean is yes. also on this album. <laughs> it's the, the difference in like the odd future quality of singing and music musical ability is just like basically two dumbass high school stoners to like Frank Ocean and Tyler. It's wild to me. Milo bitch suck dick. Mark said there's zero content and that that's pretty much it. I have no lines. All I have written as far as substance goes a lot of misogyny, beating up women. And that's where it stops. The as far I don't know, let me as far as the rapping, that opening feature, the first guy rapping on the track might have worked if it had been six nine. If he'd hit me with that six nine <laughs> voice. Well, that low key would have been dope. <laughs> six nine do with Jasper's verse, that would have been clean. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And I actually wrote also in my notes, wonder if Mark thinks this is trash too. And I have my answer. <laughs> So that's it. Yeah, like when you say about them being misogynistic, it's oh, it's it's weird, right? So like, tra- or Taco's first verse uh, that he does says, "Shut up, bitch! Suck my dick! Suck my nup! You fucking bop, bitch! You better swallow it, right?" Like it's just, it's just like, what are you doing? Like, why are you saying this? There's no reason for you to say this. Like, the, the only point in saying something like this is to get your attention because it has no value whatsoever. Um, but then, like, you know, they're, they're joking. Or he at the, and then Jasper comes back in saying, um, I'm loud as fuck. I'm ignorant. Punch a bitch in her mouth just for talking shit. You lurking bitch. Well, I see that once again. I got to punch a bitch in her shit. But in his first verse, he has a line where he says, um, uh, don't give a, f- or was it, I'm fly, bitch. I should poke you in your eye, bitch. <laughs> like, it's just, like, he's saying shit that, like, it's so ridiculous, you know, that this is the only shit that young teenage boys would find funny. Like, after, yeah. like, once you, like, like, once you're an adult, it's just, like, you grow out of dick jokes. Like, that dick jokes just don't have the same effect on you anymore, you know? These, like, these stupid shit just doesn't have the same effect. And so... I mean, I would love an album without bitch like they got it, but like at the time, I, I understand it. Like, you just need to show people once again you don't give a fuck. So, you go. And to its credit, this is Tyler's. This is what you get with Tyler the Creator in this era. He yeah. made no attempt to to make an album like Igor that only no. has musically good songs that aren't like this. But could I pick the next song just because there mm-hmm. are more songs I like to actually talk about yeah. with the Odd Future members, and that's She. Um, and so obviously I picked my favorite song on the album like right off bat but if you didn't know Frank Ocean also got his start in Odd Future along with Tyler, Earl Jasper, Taco wild to think about <laughs> yeah yeah so they and this is the song that he brought Frank Ocean back in on and his chorus is beautiful it's mm-hmm. all about just like well, okay, it's very creepy if you listen to the words, but his singing is very beautiful. It's all about like him just watching this girl at night. Um, and now I'm feeling really weird because 
I talked myself into this corner, but oh, I really remember, can't. Like, how are you going to talk yourself out of this, darling? You really? <laughs> let let me just say, it's a little creepy, but it's Tyler, as we've discussed. But Frank Ocean's voice is just incredible on this. Mm-hmm. And I love this. This is just a ridiculous high school story that I can get behind still because the musical bass is still really good. Mm-hmm. And the story isn't just overly like shock value. It's it's ridiculous. There's like a supreme clad ninja coming in and breaking into a girl's house. But it works for me in totally the best ways. And this is the kind of song that I could see leading to Igor, where there's a mm-hmm. lot of jazz influence, yep. and a lot of singing on it. Mm-hmm. So this is how, when I said earlier that I could see the Goblin Maker eventually making Igor, this is specifically what comes to mind. Bitch Suck Dick is something that I think Tyler now is kind of separating himself from. But this is something where this is one of my favorite Frank Ocean songs, too. So, Milo, what do you think? This song, so the thing to go back to your original question about bastard versus goblin. Mm-hmm. I will I am certain of this. So from bastard, I was really hyped about it and I thought it was really, really impressive, but I didn't walk away from anything that I would like add to my, well, that I even could yeah. add to my playlist. <laughs> Whereas with this, this song, she, I, I, it took me, it took me to the second half of, of pyramid and I very much enjoyed Frank Ocean's singing I was able to tolerate the creepiness by imposing a 2020 lens because now that window that he's peeking through is an OnlyFans account or mm. social media. Yeah. That's very but what if part of the thrill is that you're not supposed to be doing it? Just throwing it out there, not saying I'm one of these people, but. I was, out there. I was also, like, you want to tell me more about that, Mr. <laughs> like also, Mr. TC? <laughs> also, just real quick reminder that, yeah, like, when did Instagram come out? Because I don't remember getting Instagram till after I graduated high school. And so this this album came out before, like, I think the week or two before I graduated. And so, remember, this is, even though we're talking about teenagers, this is a post-Instagram world. Like, that doesn't exist yet or, you know, nevertheless, something as far as and getting to like an OnlyFans or something like that. So just want to put that out there. Just context. Oh, no. I Yeah, definitely at the time this album this album was recorded, that wasn't a thing. Yeah. But if you think about the sort of voyeuristic, just gawking and drooling over yeah. some beautiful woman and her touching herself after Nothing hours, end quote, <laughs> people just do that now on their phones yeah. for whatever, a month, however much, yeah. 49 cents. I don't know. Specifics. <laughs> it's probably not 49 cents. it's probably more like 29 maybe 50 okay your estimations are perfectly fine for us um, someone's gonna correct me and be like no it's actually this um for me i thought wait sorry were you finished i didn't could tell yes i'm also no, that was pretty much no i like the song i enjoyed okay. it i 
Yeah, no. So I like this song too. This is another great song. This isn't one of my favorites, though. For a lot of people, this is their favorite song on this album. And I get why. Like Frank Ocean sounds amazing on the hook. You know, uh, Frank Ocean actually raps, which you don't get too often. Frank starts off the song rapping and uh, Tyler has, you know, some good verses. So I could see why people would people, people, be people's favorite song. It's not my favorite, but I do like it. And the reason I do like it isn't for Frank or anything like that. It's because I love the story of the, you know, um, the, once again, Tyler just needs attention. He doesn't feel loved. And so he's long, the love he doesn't get for his father or whoever, he's now just trying to get from this girl that he's really, really fucking into, you know, so much into her that he's on like obsessive stalker level into her. And, you know, uh, he's telling her to like meet me by the lake and do all this stuff or whatever. Um, but it just, you know, doesn't seem to work out for him. And so I, as creepy as he makes the story, it really goes to like a common feeling of like, I'm just overly head over heels in love with the person. And I just want them to love me back. And, you know, I just can't stop thinking about it. I'm obsessing over it. You know, um, he just takes it and put it in a, like a classic creepy Tyler narrative, but uh, he has a line where he says, it's kind of this like weird little bridge he has where he says, one, two, you're the girl that I want three four five six seven shit eight is the bullets if you say no after all this and i just can't take you so motherfucking gorgeous like i like that's my favorite part of the entire song um and then even the next the, the second part of that where he says gorgeous baby you're gorgeous i just want to drag your lifeless body to the forest and fornicate with you that's because of how much i'm in love with you you know like once so he had to turn it really creepy and like dark uh, of like just having sex with her dead body in the forest like that's how much he loves her but the overall feeling is just still there of like i'm just like you're all i could think about like you're all that's on my mind and, and if you if you've been a you know teenage boy or girl or whatever like you know what it's like to obsessively just like fall in love with you know one of your classmates or something like that and they're just on your mind all day long you know while you're you know writing notes on your book or whatever and so I don't know. I just, I, I like the kind of mood that he's able to present. You know, this is kind of what I was mentioning when I was saying, like, though there's the horrorcore shit, there's really content behind here. Like, there's, there, there's really an expression of teenage youthfulness. That makes sense. So, uh, you brought up something that reminded me of a question I had for Alan. So, Alan, we know, doesn't like selling in order to catch the bar. How do you feel about counting? <laughs> One, two, question for you. <laughs> I think um, I liked it in this case. I think I think the big difference, Milo, between the way we interpret our rules is that like I'm a lot less rigid with it. Where that's something I'll like give props to a song if I like it, and it'll and it does the counting. I'll usually like give it a pass if I like the context of the rest of the song enough, but it's one thing if it's, if it's a song that I don't like, I'll probably call it out as lazy. Now you may view that as being like applying different standards to stuff, but my first standard is, do I like the song? And then from there I'll distribute. I don't base whether I like a song off of if it like hits that checkbox of counting or not. So even okay. if, if that makes sense at all, um, but doesn't disturb you as much though <laughs> seemingly. right i had i had one more hot take about the song i wanted to say right. i think it works better because of the creepiness every time frank ocean's talking about staring at the girl through the window and you kind of like shudder to yourself but then yeah. the groove comes in it's so me, groovy it hits, 
Well, yeah, to me, it hits harder because you're in that kind of creeped out mode and you're focused yeah. in on it. Yeah. So great song. Perfect one for the album in my mind. Yeah, she's a great song. So, Milo, uh, what's, what's, a no- what's one that really stood out to you that you really like? So, uh, just to be, side note, it's really hard to talk about these songs and why you like them uh, carefully. <laughs> <laughs> because a lot of them have just so much, so many bad things in them. Mm-hmm. We get a pass for this album. There's just no way. That's a, we're, not, we're all going to say something very weird just because of the content, I feel like. Was planning it all along. So I already called out the one I was going to mention, which was she. But okay, so this is the I think third track. You have Goblin Yonkers. Yeah, Radicals. Mm-hmm. So in heads up for everybody, this does have the other F bomb in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty well in keeping with the it's about a four minute song. So what stuck out to me about the song was the production. That Brockhampton heat off of Saturation One. Mm. you guys remember that song yeah that's my mm-hmm. favorite the song or one of my favorites so with that like just distortion on the vocals and then the just just crazy electronic intensity on the instruments just there was a visceral response to it it was it was kind of like listening to saboteur by the beastie boys but it, that song had a little melody so then you're listening to this craziness and you get this beat switch that's mm-hmm. to put it smoother than an MJ moonwalk. <laughs> if I, how is good. And, <laughs> and it winds down from this chaotic energy. It's, it's just total, bl- I don't know, but there's a song Tyler made with ASAP Rocky. Mm-hmm. Do you Mark, come on, please. You're the, I mean, he's he he made a couple, so you have to tell me like which one. It's the one he made. He cuts off this white guy's face. Yeah. Then, uh, 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 oh my god! Why can't I think? Give me a second. Keep talking. I'll I'll, I'll bring it up a second, bro. <laughs> well, for whoever for whoever that stands out to, he cuts off this white guy's face. But in the video, at least in the music video for the song, he halfway through it does it cuts to nine one one lonely boy. That nine one who that boy? The song's who that boy? Yeah, who that boy? Who yeah. him is? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it reminded me of. So I thought it was pretty cool that he still keeps that kind of yin and yang type of energy in his songs, even even in more recent years. This song does have a more recognizable hook to me. I, I you know I caught out the whole like burn. What is it? Go to school, burn shit. I'm a radical. I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm a radical. Mm-hmm. And great lines. I got sixty wolves that will guard me, which is crazy. Because <laughs> it reminded me of the whole Jesus before Pontius Pilate, and he's like, "Are you a king?" He's like, "Yo, if I was a king, I'd have legions of angels right here ready to like." So I thought like that was great, and I guess the only criticism I have of the song, which isn't even really a criticism, is that at times when he was saying "I'm a radical," it sounded like he was saying "I'm ragu," like "I'm fucking ragu," which around here is not a good thing. <laughs> but that that's it. That that's pretty much it. Let me pass the mic. Alan, I'll let you go next. <laughs> All right. So this is one where most of the song I don't fuck with anymore, <laughs> where most of the verses I don't fuck with. But there's, but the chorus, though, kill people, burn shit, fuck school. I've said that for basically 10 years now, and mm-hmm. <laughs> people generally don't know what I'm talking about. Also, the line, 
the line you mentioned earlier from that first track, who doesn't have ADD? I don't. I also said that for like 10 years and no one, everyone thinks I'm just funny, but I've actually just stole it from this album. And those are the two things that I've carried with me. <laughs> That's just an aside. Um, most of the verses I don't fuck with anymore. Like I said, kill people, burn shit, fuck school though. That's my life. Mark? Oh, that's a great description. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is not one of my favorite songs on the album. Is this not the longest song? I feel like this song is long as hell. Um, no, it's just four minutes. Really? God, it feels longer. Because they're just constantly going... Goblin, dude. Oh, God. He's, just, he's constantly going back to that... Uh, the the chant of kill people, burn shit, fuck school. And the beat... You know the beat switching, which is a really nice beat switch, as you as you mentioned. It really is. And I also mentioned for people who don't know, Tyler is a self so like like self produced, and so there might be a song or two on this album that is produced by somebody else, but he made all these beats. So he makes, writes it, performs it, all that. He very much is a self contained artist. Sorry. So that being said, uh, Milo, you mentioned that you felt that Goblin, the song felt like a thesis statement for the album, like a good opening thesis statement. I feel like this is a better thesis statement for the album. It's just obviously not the opening track, but this is that thesis statement of rebellion of, I feel like this could be like the kernel of the album if you wanted to. It's definitely not the best song, but every song in this album has a little bit of this song in it. It's just rebellion. It's pure, It's purely kill people, burn shit, fuck school. And in the very beginning, he says random disclaimer hey i don't want anything i don't don't do anything i say in this song it's fucking fiction if anything happens don't fucking blame me white america fuck bill o'reilly right <laughs> um but he's just constantly saying kill people burn shit fuck school you know i'm radical blah 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 but my favorite line in this entire song is where he says i'm not saying just to go out and do some stupid shit commit crimes what i'm telling you to is do what the fuck you want Stand for what the fuck you believe in and don't let anybody tell you you can't do what the fuck you want. I'm a fucking unicorn. I'm fucking anybody who says I'm not. I like, I love that. I like, that's, I mean, I wouldn't, but like, that's something I would almost get tatted on me, bro. Like, I love the, the message behind it of don't let people put you in a box. You know, like, I, as I mentioned previously, Tyler got made fun of for wearing Slipknot t-shirts and good Charlotte t-shirts in high school, you know, like in bands like that. He got made fun of for, you know, hanging out with white kids and doing shit like that. But he's like, I'm not going to let you put me in a box. I'm not going to let you decide who I am, uh, whether I'm a hood rapper or this, this or that. I'm not going to let you decide what I like. I'm, if I, I'm a fucking unicorn and fuck you if you think I'm not, you know? So to me, this has always actually been one of the most empowering, empowering parts of actually this album. It's just that little post-chorus right there where he talks like that. Real fast, Mark. So you were right. I wrote down the wrong, this song is actually surprise seven minutes yeah long, see i was like I'm, i was like i'm no for a fact so, this song is long. no it's not the uh, the uh, yonkers was the four minute song yeah okay that makes a lot more sense now. <laughs> i was like this song is long as hell um 
but yeah other than that that's really the only part i like of that song other than that i'm not a big fan of it but this song does also have another part at the end with dr tc who's talking to tyler and dr tc doesn't talk to tyler every song i don't believe i think it's only a few songs throughout the album and to me that's how you could tell which songs are really actually part of the storyline by which ones have dr tc talking and which ones don't um but yeah he's just saying more things like all these little dreams you got they're not shit you know all this rebellion all this crazy shit you got saying this shit getting too old for the shit man you got to grow up you got to grow out of it and so i think this is really important that this is coming all these songs are made when tyler's 18 19 years old because 18 is when you hit adulthood people are telling you hey stop doing the stupid shit grow up so Tyler's hitting the point to where, I mean, if I'm correct, I think he got a job at Starbucks at this point. Like he's having to like do normal work life, go to college, you know, whatever. And, you know, this is, he's just like, no, fuck you. <laughs> like, I'm not going to grow up. I'm not going to stop being a rebel. No, you know. And so this is just kind of stand against that, which I also thought was cool, you know. But uh, I feel like a song that kind of needs to be talked about well, okay, we should just talk about the one that blew him up. Let's Yonkers. This is this is likely the first song that you heard by Tyler the Creator, if you've ever heard a song by him pre-2015. Um, this was the song that blew him up. This was the single to this album that got released in February 2011. This was the song that Kanye tweeted when Kanye saw this music video, and Kanye was like, people need to know about this kid. And then Tyler blew up. I remember I was at school during lunch and one of my friends uh, came over to me and said, dude, there's this rapper named Tyler, the creator. He has a deep voice and he's fucking crazy, bro. You got to listen to him. <laughs> I was like, all right. And I remembered like four or five of us being huddled around a phone, like watching this music video on YouTube <laughs> and being like, oh my God, like, he, like Tyler kills himself at the end of the music video. He hangs himself. Like it's on some like wild shit. I mean, what can you even say? This has, like, before he ever starts rapping, is you hear the, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like a boom, 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 almost like like a distorted record scratch or something. But that just sound looping over and over and over, I feel like is one of the most famous, recognizable, and instantly catchy songs I can think of from, like, this era. I think the production on this is just, incredible and this being like the single that we had heard before goblin as a whole released this thing got me mad hyped for 100 percent like (laughs) yeah because like bastard has good rapping and has good production but as soon as i heard that first instrumental and then as soon as i i heard and say Three songs with the fucking Triceratops. I was thinking, okay, Tyler just stepped up his game again, going from someone who was first very interesting on Bastard to now this new Yonkers song has me so, so hyped for Goblin. And he was, I know, the song immediately when I first heard it like 10 years ago, it hits and it still just goes that fucking hard still. Uh, I, I would say... This is the one, this is the song where that has my favorite very kind of dark verse, I would say, mm-hmm. where he says, I'm clocking three past six and going postal. This is Revenge of the Dicks. That's nine cocks. It's cock nines. This ain't no V-Tech shit or Columbine. But after bowling, I went home for some damn adventure time. Mm-hmm. Like, 
I absolutely love that part of the verse where he's just saying things that are the darkest, they're twisted. He's referencing Bowling for Columbine, but then bringing it back to something that someone who's just a, a fellow shitty teenager does, and that's watch Adventure Time all day. <laughs> a perfect way to encapsulate Tyler Crater's whole ethos during the time in my mind with that little part of the song. And for me, that was what I wanted to be, and that's kind of how I still view myself. So obviously I fucking love the song. I'm not really even talking about it in context anymore, but yeah. If you haven't heard the song, what are you doing listening to this podcast, dude? Yeah. Go, go listen to this song. This is, yeah. this is amazing. Um, Milo. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was a, <clears throat> I thought it was a cool track. And so it's interesting that Alan mentioned that really distinctive loop at the beginning it go to me it goes back to that hypocrisy that he demonstrated at the beginning of the of the album because for me the production overall had a pretty boom bap feel to it as you would oh yeah mm-hmm. and wait real quick did you I, know he he made he the reason he called this yonkers he was making fun of new york rappers trying to like make a parody oh. of a new york beat <laughs> well there you go <laughs> yeah but that's why Radiohead got famous just as a yeah some people get famous Radiohead did the same thing with Creep yeah son of a bitch (laughs) this song's trash (laughs) 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 once again Milo hates New York rap this one is is literally named after New York (laughs) okay well apart from the irreverence I thought the I thought the production was cool. There were some warping effects at the end that worked out a lot better than they than it did on Little Dominic's nosebleed. The warping effects here, it it actually felt like I was getting my ears clean professionally. It was really nice. Mm-hmm. And I got a little bit of Jay Z, Welcome to the Jungle, off of Chase the Throne vibes, off of those little I don't know if it was a synth piano or whatever toward the end. So that was cool. Love the lines once again. Pick Stevie Wonder to be the wide receiver. Hilarious. Alter egos. Uh, I guess a lot of people were into that in the early two, uh, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty solid track. The only real criticism, apart from what I've already already mentioned, would be the disrespect to Haley Williams. I know, that's so <laughs> random. The disrespect to Haley Williams and uh, what's his name? Let uh, me be real with you, all right? Bruno Mars. Bruno Mars. Erica Baudin, oh, MBLB. My bad. <laughs> Lauren Hill, Haley Williams, Halsey, and Taylor Swift. Y'all don't need to be dissing these people. Okay, that's the, <laughs> so. That's PSA all I have to say. Done. Okay. Because <laughs> he disses he disses Taylor on like another song talking about having sex with her. Don't do that. We all saw how it worked. He talks about Friday, but I guess r- raping her. <laughs> Let's be clear. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually thinking about that line the other day. I was like, God, how do you get away? Like, we criticized Kanye for, like, you know, like, grabbing the mic. Tyler City was going to rape this bitch. Like, that's crazy. Not like, no one has brought this up. <laughs> I mean, you should see what our American senators have been saying. <laughs> Ooh, shots fired, baby. <laughs> she needs to, Marjorie Taylor Greene needs to leave, honestly. That's our second PSA of the podcast. Ooh. You're yep, not catching the hint. No. <laughs> you came for the spice, that, baby. That is your SJW PSA. <laughs> um, 
Sorry, did you, were you say something or no? 100% he was oh. saying, to, oh, no, I'm done. Yes. Oh, well, I was just going to say there's a little, um, for anyone who, if you listen to Bastard recently before this album, there's this thing at the end of verse two where he's like, and still, and Tina still ain't perm or fucking weave <laughs> after we have spent so long on Bastard being like, Tina, perm your fucking weave. Tina, perm your fucking weave. <laughs> I love that he called that back on this song. Yeah. Like, I, would... I love this fucking song so much, guys. You can tell. <laughs> yeah. That was Bastard's version of Bits Like Dick. I think this one was just called Tina, but yeah, it's like, Tina, perm your fucking weave. Um, so much real... better than Bitch Suck Dick. So yeah, much better. It is, I think. Yeah. Quick, 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 quick detour. So Earl Sweatshirt was in exile during the making mm-hmm. of this, right? Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Earl was gone during this, which is, yeah. He why says free Earl on this somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has a, yeah. Oh, we're definitely getting to the song where he talks about Earl. He has a whole song dedicated to it, and it's arguably my favorite song on this album. But, um, so Yonkers, first time I heard this, I was watching this video, and at the time, I was a huge Eminem fan. Like huge, like I think I was. I probably had just gotten out of my Eminem Eminem phase, but pretty huge Eminem fan. Marshall Mathers LP was one of my favorite rap albums ever. You know, I love the crazy, wild, chaotic shit. You know, um, I love the violence. Just once again, the no holds barred. I'm going to say some shit that's going to get your attention of Eminem. I loved it. Then I saw this, and I was like, "Holy shit! It's Eminem, but he's a black kid that's my age." Like it was like, oh, this is this this is literally meant for me. Like I knew from the first listen, this was going to be my favorite rapper. Like there wasn't a question about it. And ten years later, I was right. Like Tyler the Creator is my favorite. I don't even want to disrespect him just by calling him a rapper. Tyler the Creator is my favorite artist, just in general. Um, but yeah, it was just he was able to portray these ideas and thoughts, you know, with these multiple personalities, you know, like uh, Marshall Mathers and Eminem and some JD, you know, uh, and then just say some of the craziest shit. And not only is he saying crazy shit, but he's really, you know, once again, with the content, uh, like Alan line, you mentioned about, you know, the Columbine shit, but then going home and watching some Adventure Time, uh, when I first heard this song, the, when he starts with the second verse, Jesus called, he said he's sick of the disses. I told him to quit bitching. This isn't a fucking hotline. And I was just like, dude, this man is just dissing Jesus on his, on like the first, <laughs> like the first major line, uh, when the second verse hits. Uh, and I was like, that, that line used to bother me so much. I would actually turn the volume down when that part came on and then turn it back up afterwards just because I didn't want to hear it because it was so abrasive to me to hear like Tyler just called Jesus a bitch basically. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, the, the, the song was just great. It was amazing. Um, there was just nothing out the, out there like this at the time. Tyler was the last one to release a song like this, or Eminem was the last one to release anything like this. I felt, and Tyler was just doing it for a new generation. And yeah, I thought it was amazing. Uh, one thing he does mention is uh, he's stagging and he blogging hipster with a pitchfork. That's a shot at pitchfork that gave his mixtape bastard a really bad review. Like really bad. And so uh, that's why he's just taking a shot at them real quick. Uh, he mentions that he's still suicidal. So as a depressed high schooler, you know, it was like, 
this is it, you know, and he mentions multiple personalities, still suicidal. I am. I'm Wolf. Tyler put this fucking knife in my hand. I'm Wolf. It's going to put that fucking hole in my head, you know? And so, yeah, this was just great. And this was a perfect hype song for the album Goblin. Um, and yeah, in the music video, as we mentioned, like he's like, he kills himself. Uh, he eats a cockroach, which is what most people remember. But at the end, he stands on a stool, hangs himself and kicks the stool. And the last parts of the video you see are his feet dangling. So like, he's also very much a drama queen too. <laughs> By the way, the wordplay on that Columbine, that whole Columbine line and everything involved there. Are, are, you're not going to like this, Mark. Alan, I can't remember how you feel about him. Are Lupe Fiasco levels of of lyricism it's just you know, i like it i know that you're saying that as a compliment so i'll be happy about it <laughs> okay. yeah that's, that's how to think about it yeah yeah, yeah no it, that, it's great wordplay like to me that's earl level wordplay that's something that earl would do more likely whereas that type of wordplay he does right there um but yeah so this is an important song uh another song that came out apparently the same i didn't know it came out the same week was um he dropped Yonkers and then a week and a half later he was on Jimmy Fallon and he performed sandwiches with Haji. So if you, if Yonkers wasn't the first song you song you heard by Tyler, it was probably sandwiches then <laughs> because both those two songs kind of just took off Yonkers being the one that grabbed your attention, but then sandwiches being the one that kind of was being played everywhere. And this had this fellow odd feature made uh, Haji beats on it. Uh, Milo, what'd you think of this song? I'm looking at the wrong. So I'm looking at analog. Not a great song. Yeah, I didn't oh. have much written for it, so I was about to have a real. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, what were you finna say? <laughs> I was just gonna say this one really doesn't hit as hard for me as Yonkers. Really, uh, like, dude. Going back, this song hits more for me than Yonkers. If I'm being honest. Well, I'll. I mean, I'll be happy to hear you, to hear you kind of explain why it works so well mm-hmm. for you. But for me, like the chorus didn't. The chorus isn't hit as well, and I don't really feel like Haji does anything for me. I do love that he's going back to his, his beef with two dope boys, mm-hmm. which I, I apparently used to be writers for Pitchfork or whatever, but obviously Tyler won this beef so nuclearly hard that I don't think they're around anymore. So, who is yeah. he with beef with? Who, who do you have beef with? Two dope boys. Oh, I never heard of him. Yep, that's why. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would bury them right. niggas, bro. <laughs> Two dope boys in the Cadillac. But I like that song more than this song. Not uh, too much to say. Didn't like it. That's her. Milo? So this, what sold me on this song and what actually, I'm reading what I wrote here, had me thinking that this album might be getting a pretty good rating on the Spiceometer. Was <laughs> that, that, Okay, so I was sold way, I don't know if anybody, like way back in the day, there was this movie called Stomp the Yard. Love it. <laughs> and they had this little, we rep the Thetas, 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 we rep the Thetas. So that little Wolfgang chant at the beginning, where they're just getting together and getting hype off of that, I was like, Ooh. yo. <laughs> but I, I wanted to bark. I was like, <laughs> this is what, this is 10 years later? <laughs> so that, that's uh, I loved it. Memorable line, like as far as lines going. So the as far as delivery, because delivery, 
there was a feature on here that sounded a lot like Kanye, especially in like his rapping style and stretching out words and, and what he was doing with his voice. It sounded a lot like that was Haji, right? That was yeah, the feature. He, he just helped produce. Yeah. As for other lines, I'm going harder than a midget jumping over me, which <laughs> is totally. I love that line. That's a great line. Inappropriate. <laughs> That's a great fucking line. <laughs> I was like, what, six, and two, three? Back to the whole rebellious theme, like the thesis statement from Radicals, mm-hmm. quote, showing you and yours that breaking rules is cool again, end quote. Yes. So once again, you have that recurring theme. So thematic, but getting it together, I don't know, this is, this got to be a, a terrible thing or a good thing, but just like a bunch of lads out in the city wilding together mm-hmm. and how they all get together like a wolf pack. Once again, you, what value you place on that, but as far as thematically and how it fits in the album in the rebellious theme and the just pure teenage fer- ferociousness that he's spit throughout this entire project, it embodies it perfectly. It's like mm-hmm. a like <gasps> like a dungeon dragon. <laughs> that's all. That's it for me. Yeah. No, I I could see you on that. Like, so I feel I don't know. I I really agree with you. We're just like wolf gang, wolf gang, and he, like he's getting the crowd together. He's getting them hyped up, and then he delivers his address. Like I feel like he's like almost like some like some tyrant who like gathered up his followers and now he's delivering right? his like, message to him like and that's the control it's crazy how like he spoke it but that's like a year after this album came out that's the control he had there's he's been arrested for inciting a riot at south by southwest because he told a bunch of fans to come do some shit and they did it you know um he got like if you watch this video on youtube of the camden camden crawl he's in london and he gets all his fans to pretty much hop the barrier and screw security like security like tells tyler to stop and tyler's like fuck you and he's like yo everybody hop over this fucking barrier and get on stage and they bum rush it like there's like a hundred kids on stage they bum rush the barrier they take off security and they get on stage so like tyler really has this type of power like that shit is no joke so it's kind of crazy they start stuff like that and then yeah like he just gives his the whole first verse is his you know statement um you want uh come on kids fuck that class and hit and hit that bong let's buy guns and kill those kids with dads and moms it's one of my favorite bars of the entire <laughs> the, 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 the entire album uh it's such a rebel line you know let's go fuck class let's hit a bong let's buy guns let's kill kids with dads and moms you know like that lets you know he feels underprivileged he feels that he does not get the life that he deserved or that everyone else had um uh let's kill the kids with nice homes for all one k's and nice as longs um and then uh yeah you know there's that line a lot i like a lot and then haji's verse haji has this very very and it was disturbing to me at the time being uh as religious as i was but Tyler has this very anti-religious reverse, which I would say was part of the whole Odd Future Rebellion thing is that all the members of Odd Future were, you know, anti-religious. And Haji just has this verse where he just goes off, you know, talking about how God is not real. God isn't there. God's the problem. And it's a problem because my mom told me that God was, you know, real or whatever, but she had her own problems. Like he just gives off this really personal, deep, I don't know, piece of his just issue with the world as he sees it 
So to the two Tyler experts, I'm seeing, so calling himself the Wolfpack, naming one of his alter egos Wolf, from what I've heard from y'all, he used to do really sensational stuff like wear Confederate flags. And was there ever a Nazi comparison that he ever, yeah, did he, he call himself so. a black Nazi? Okay, yeah. that's crazy to yeah. me. Because this kind of, well, he calls himself the Wolfpack. There's this movie called Greyhound with Tom Hanks. Bottom line is the bad guy pursuing Tom Hanks' sh- like fleet of ships, mm-hmm. they call themselves a Wolfpack. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's the imagery that those, the, the, the German Nazis, that's kind of redundant, use to describe themselves. Mm-hmm. So it's, I'm, I don't know if it would be too much of a stretch to say he imposed that, like he put that into his music, especially with the way that he's hyping up crowds of hooligans to go out and break stuff much in the same way that a lot of disenfranchised germans like this isn't the life you're supposed to be living like it's those people taking it away from you you need to be true to your identity get together go and it's you, do you see what i'm the parallel i'm drawing yeah. here i mean i think i mean i 100 actually i think you're right i think it's maybe i you could correct me if i'm wrong but i think it's on the earl tape where Tyler's on the song with Earl, and it's either Earl or Tyler that say double, double less, double less shit. the cousin on a Letterman, you know, um, and like that's Nazi. That's you know, and so uh, I would not be surprised if he kind of just got fascinated by the whole Nazi shit, and as a part of being a rebel, just started incorporating random parts of it into his persona. But you know what's just really yeah. sad about all this is that. I had mentioned earlier we need to get Marjorie Taylor Greene out of Congress, and I promise this is tying in. Mm-hmm. But it feels like today, like when Tyler was making Goblin, calling someone a Nazi felt like that felt more taboo. Now it's now I just see white supremacists like all the time online, yeah. and it's not like that weird news. anymore, you know. <laughs> and at the time this album came out, like being a Nazi was still seen as like straight terrorism, ignorant fucks. It wasn't mm-hmm. this, this kind of both sides environment that we have now, mm-hmm. which I don't think this aesthetic really would even be yeah. that edgy today. They'd be like, oh, he's conservative. Like, that'd be it. <laughs> <laughs> he's, like, he's like a little he's a Trump pump, supporter. one of those Trump supporters. Yeah, no, yeah he's a Trump supporter. Yeah. Like, that's it. That's so sad, you know? <laughs> With a, with a little mush, I go a little far. <laughs> and you just never know if he's trolling. Oh, um, <laughs> I'm dead. But yeah, um, and Tyler has one of his like wildest lines on the song too, which he says, um, bah, 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 "Where is it?" I'm going harder than a midget jumping over me. Chronic youth, I'm shoving bitches. I'm shoving blunt raps and bitches ovaries. Punches to the stomach where that bastard kid's supposed to be. Fuck a mask. I want the hoe to know it's me. And in his live performances, so in his live performances, he for like the first year or two, he always started off with this song and he would come out in his like classic green mask. I'm so mad I never got to see a green mask Tyler performance, but he used to come out in this classic green mask at the end of this verse, he would say, punch it, punch, punch it to the stomach where that bastard kid's supposed to be. Fuck a mask. I want the hoe to notice me. And he would take off his mask and stage dive. Like every fucking performance. Um, no, that's not COVID safe. No. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, it's uh, it was like a legendary line. It was like, dude, like this man is like 
He's wild. Like, he is absolutely insane. This kid will say anything, and I want to see what he says next. <laughs> like, that's how it was for everybody. And so, um, also, fun side note that when they performed this on Jimmy Fallon, obviously, Tyler had to edit it half of his verse at least Haji wrote a completely different verse Haji didn't even try to edit his verse if you watch the Jimmy Fallon on YouTube where they performed this Haji just raps a completely different verse he's just like I can't even nah the public's not gonna be cool with me saying this shit <laughs> um but yeah this is one of the songs where he mentions Free Earl at the very end he says Free Earl blah 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 so all right, so can I pick the next song since we're talking about Earl a little bit? Yes, please. There's an there's another song that I have I like even more now than I did when I first heard this album, and that's Nightmare. Favorite song? That's my favorite song. Oh, there it is, yep. dude. This that's a good pick because this is, <laughs> this might be my favorite one now too. Um, so I will. I always remember if you ask me about Goblin anytime in the past ten years, say a line you remember, Alan. I would. I would have said this is. Oh, I'm getting all tongue. I'm getting all tongue tied. Mm-hmm. I'd go back to. I told her I'm her worst nightmare. This is hell. You don't ever got to fight fair. Mm-hmm. That little hook refrain thing really has always stuck out to me. But what I came out actually appreciating more was it. It actually took me sitting down and looking at the lyrics to understand kind of verse three when. Where when I first heard the song, it was, okay, this is Tyler talking to the mainstream media that's criticizing him for for being so edgy, for saying all these things that we've been calling him out for. But giving more context with Earl being gone at this point of the record, I start to understand that when he's saying things like, parents want to blame me because their kid is fucking up. But fuck that. You're a shitty parent. Face it. Suck it up. So going from there into feeling like I missed my little brother growing up, feeling like my little brother missed his brother growing up, and really going after Earl's parents, who are are both really, for context, Earl's parents are both very, they're like really smart, I guess is the best way to put it. They're like published poets and like work at UCLA, but Earl was really emotionally disturbed during this time and eventually had to go to what we found out was a school. And do you remember the country of where the school was? South uh, Africa, Samoa. right? So, uh, it was in Samoa. Oh, Samoa. Yeah. I, yeah. So, so the context of the verse three is just him actually calling out Earl's parents, where if Earl's parents might've said Tyler's a bad influence, which fucking emotionally really must have hurt mm-hmm. to hear or to at least pick up that vibe from from Earl's parents and seeing and mentioning, oh, Damo lives in another state now too. So all his friends are going, even if he's blowing up, what is it without the rest of OF? So goddamn, this song still hits and it's really interesting to look back on Nightmare in the context of what's gonna happen with Earl, how different their careers are going to sound basically post like cherry bomb doris they went completely different directions so new appreciation for nightmare especially the autobiographical like element mark yeah so 
remember when I said that, like, I, as soon as I heard Tyler, like, I knew he was going to be my favorite artist. It was when I heard this song, which maybe was only a week or two after I first, you know, found him. I remember si- sitting down at my desk, listening to the song on YouTube and listening to this verse by Tyler where he's just getting, this is where he gets, I think, his most vulnerable in the whole album. I would say this song, if maybe, maybe golden, but I would, I could argue this song is where he gets his most vulnerable. And he's just talking about how much he misses Earl. Just having Earl's mom blame him for everything that's going on is, you know, like her uh, getting in trouble with this, you know, whether it's things with classes or drugs, it's just his mom blaming him for all this. And you know, Tyler's really hurt by this. And you could tell, like, Tyler lashes out. He does this actually in future albums, too, but kind of lashes out Earl's mom. And I think what's really sad about this is, once again, Tyler has a fanatic fan base. Whatever Tyler believes, they will believe and do. And so when Tyler starts taking shots at Earl's mom for, you know, sending him away, Tyler's fans start doing that, too. And I mean, Earl raps about it in his, you know, albums, just talking about how I, it's hard for me to even repair the relationship I have with my mom because there's, you know, all these crazy OF fans who are going and like threatening her and like, you know, uh, like messing with her house, like just like crazy shit, you know? And uh, it's just like, dog, like let that shit go, you know? And yeah, it was just, you know, Tyler really expressing himself and, this was a thing I think that really, like, I don't know if it's this line in particular, but definitely lines like this that made it really difficult for Earl to kind of come back and be part of Odd Future. Because it was just, as Earl was trying to reconnect with his family, uh, he couldn't really do so because uh, Odd Future, or at least the Odd Future fans in a way, were driving them separately. But um, yeah. Dude, man, the this picture song. you paint, Tyler sounds a lot more like Voldemort than <laughs> or, uh, he would love Brenda he would Walls. love that you call him Voldemort. yeah I mean I was like I was like early Tyler probably would love that um but yeah, no. <laughs> uh, what do you what do you think of this <laughs> so man these songs are just freaking long this is a five this is a five minute or pretty yeah, long and it's got your uh your garden variety homophobia cool I've used this word before talking about production and I will use it again. Uh, you will use it again. So the kick on this track is subterranean. It definitely someone, someone in some university somewhere, their Richter scale started pumping when I was playing this on my headphones. There was a piano in the middle that is kind of, it was a little dissonant. It sounded a little bit like a cat walking along, uh, walking along the keys. Thought it was a great addition. It, his, his little switch ups work when he decides to switch stuff and be a little experimental with what he's doing. I don't, I can't remember, I can't recall a time where it just completely fell flat. So his, his being self produced is, does he have any formal training in music? I feel like I've seen him play piano. I don't, I don't I ne- remember the specific video. Yeah, no, I've seen him play the piano and like play bastard on piano and shit like that. I feel oh, by now yeah. he probably would have had people teach him some formal stuff by now but early on i knew it was just he was just fascinated with music and started playing piano at a young age i don't remember him ever talking about having lessons but by now i would assume he's gotten crazy good people to like really help him perfect those skills at this point in time no i would say at this point in time no I, i would guess not the 
Okay. Oh, that's. Uh, I guess this to close off then regarding content. Uh, content is that I think that this is a this song is a pretty good class and subtext when you're writing music because he's not spoon feeding me his message. He paints just a very vivid picture of being a troubled outcast. And the images are so, it's not poignant. Putrid is for smells. Poignant. Mm -hmm. The image is so poignant that the message just, it's there. It's like inception. It's like inception almost like I'm dreaming. Mm -hmm. I'm dreaming and I'm experiencing the things and the experiences are so vivid and so strong that I come to the conclusion myself without him having to say stupid shit. Like, I don't want to be alone. I don't want to be alone. I hate you so much. And I'll end on that. (laughs) You gotta fucking do that to me, dog. Um, but yeah, um, once again, going back to his dad, the issues with his dad and not, you know, just his father not being there. He's a line in verse two where he says, my father called me to tell me he loved me. I have a better chance again. Taylor Swift to fuck me. Taylor Swift's a yes. You know, um, and that's, that's the very nice line he has about Taylor Swift. <laughs> um, uh, but, you know, annoying and I'm ugly. Most niggas want to punch me. I'm surprised the fucking doctor even touched me. Like, like those, like, those lines together, it just shows you his level of insecurity. You know, I'm annoying. I'm like, and like, you know, I'm annoying. I'm ugly. You know, like no one wants to talk to me. Girls aren't talking to me. You know, my father left. Like he just, he's just laying them all out on the table of just how insecure he feels and just how much he does not feel loved. And so it's kind of behind all the horrorcore. Like it was, he says he hates it when people call this like a horrorcore. I think it was actually in this album he mentions, I'm not fucking horrorcore, you know. hundred um, percent. He says yeah, that. He says that. Yeah, I think he says that actually in Goblin. He says, uh, we're not horrorcore or my, no, sandwiches. I don't know. One song. He says it twice. He says it once, I believe, in Goblin. The second time he's like, uh, we're not horrorcore. Listen deeper to the music yeah. before you decide to put it in a box. I think it's either Radicals or Sandwiches where he says that. But he is horrorcore he, his music is definitely like bastard and goblin he stops with wolf but bastard or goblin are 100 percent horrorcore albums but it's not just horrorcore like you can't put it in a box he's 100 percent right on that you can't just put this in the box of horrorcore uh this has much deeper content than i just want to show you show you a slasher film in audio format you know like this is i don't know i'm trying to think of a slasher film with a lot of content i'll think of one later but yeah it's somar that's not really yeah, it's a horrible it's a slasher yeah i mean you can even argue maybe a jigsaw i was gonna say like it's definitely just like the original one maybe original saw or i guess maybe just some movie anywho though we're getting off topic but yeah it's more than horrorcore basically it's all he's trying to say um we mentioned oh, also okay oh, since we are talking about the album within the context of the story I love that Nightmare leads into Tron Cat, which is Bars. the most Bars. like if like Tron Cat isn't my favorite. If you guys want to talk about it now, we can. But mm-hmm. Tron Cat isn't my favorite. But it starts out with this la 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 that's just mm-hmm. ear piercingly bad on purpose. Sounds like I, P- I just P-P-Cocaine. love. I just love how it goes from Nightmare, which is kind of this like downward spiral and emotional about everything that's happening with Earl, 
everything's happening in my life to Tron cat. You're just off the fucking deep end. Now you've kind of like sanity broken. You're now a cartoon cat that does evil shit. Uh, so just to say, I really like that transition there and how he kept the continuity going. Um, we don't have to really talk about Tron Cat. I would just say Tron Cat is his song. Like this, the, if you want to hear his hardest bars altogether uh, during this time, I would say it's Tron Cat. Like if you want to hear Tyler just rap some crazy shit, it, there's no hook or nothing. I think it's I don't know how long the song is, but for however long it's it four is, minutes. four minutes, he's just barred barred out, you know, and just says crazy shit after crazy shit after crazy shit. Um, but and like it's, it's some really really wild shit on that he says on this the most worst shit he says is actually on the song um but yeah it's just him kind of like flexing his bar ability and trying to show you like tron cat is the like murderous like serial killer part of his personality so he's just gonna show, say the craziest shit possible so the to be this song the first of all there are some there's some rape and yeah it's warning yeah the beat, the production is not that impressive to me. It was unremarkable. It was, it was just the lyrical content back to what Mark was saying. It's just, it's the lyrical content for me. And I mentioned, a, a, I mentioned a lot actually on the last track, how Tyler paints images. So where I cut her hair like a barber with Parkinson's disorder, I'm the blackest skinhead since India RE. These, what an image, especially if you know who I don't know. Gen Z might not be able to connect with Indiari. She's a really kind of woke black woman type with an acoustic guitar. She has a shaved head and she's pretty dark from, you know, and better to eat you with the head of lettuce when he's talking about being that, that I guess, cannibal in this case, it's just incredible. You don't tell an orphan you love them till they heart thin way to call out voluntourism, dude. Love it. Love it. <laughs> So it's the lyricism is is solid on this track. Yeah. Solid. But the production to me, the production I can't I couldn't tell you even how the melody that, that la 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 that when you mentioned it I remembered mm. it but I didn't it it's but, very but basic. Also, but also I was going to say I think how basic it is serves to make the song feel more raw. I would agree. Right. Yeah. It's a platform. It, it, he wants you to focus so much, I think, on the lyricism. He just needs something very bare and backbone. And it's not, it's not the only time he does it in this album. But he gives you something so incredibly bare and backbone to where the only thing you're focusing on is what the fuck he's saying, which is he ends the song saying, catch me in the attic taking photos of my dad's dick, which it took me so long to catch that. I was like, what? why would he be taking? That's disgusting. I was like, oh, he's taking selfies. <laughs> And I was like, oh, and then when I finally caught that, I was like, oh, that's that's hilarious. <laughs> um, but also, most people aren't going to pick up on that. Yeah, you know, but that's that's his creativity. That's what I'm saying. Like this this track is him flexing. You know, yeah, um, not really kind of. This track is just him flexing. Um, and also, we don't have to spend long on the next track I want to mention, but her, her is a very <laughs> distinct song on this album, and. The song I was actually just referencing where I said this is the only time on this album that he will make a completely barebone instrumental just to really say some shit and have you fully listen to the words 100%. And with her, I mean, is it just a metronome ticket? <laughs> like, it might just be a metronome. He didn't need it. He didn't need it. He said <laughs> like, like, that's it. Like, it's, he, there's not much. And he just kind of starts really saying this story about him and this girl which um 
Milo, I'll, I'm very curious to hear what you thought of the song. So this song, the delivery. So there's a point where he says, quote, turns out she got back with her nigga. Yeah. And I didn't do it justice, but the way he says it, it sounds like he ran out of things to say and he needed to throw something in there on beat. Uh-huh. But the placement of it, you can tell it's a, like a calculated imperfection, which is beautiful. Love it. I've never, never heard, how can I put it? I haven't heard timing of such an like expert nature uh-huh. since I heard Tale of Two Cities by J. Cole, where he's talking about, like, I had a dream, I was trapped in the city, and I asked myself, is that really such a bad thing? And when he's talking yeah. about whether it's really the way he kind of hesitates and slips up, it's it's hard to it's hard His to mimic if you want to wrap it yourself. Yeah. Yes. But you know, but it's a calculated it's yeah. And that's so to close with this, we discussed about little Dominique's sort of talk rap style over the mm-hmm. beat. And I mentioned a sort of uh, a pseudo talk rap where it's could it sounds sort of how people actually talk, but it, it's not really. There's something yeah. uncanny about it. This is a perfect example of that. It, it's in that uncanny valley of calculation, but what we normally hear on a day to day basis. I thought that 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 alone. This is a this is a candidate for the playlist that I have yeah. it out. I have it so. It's gonna be difficult to choose a song by the way. I, end of this. I, so many. I, I did not think you were gonna like the song. I'm actually surprised you like the song. Um, I thought you were really got another part, but yeah, no. When he says that, it sounds like he's talking to you. Like, yeah, she just got back with her nigga. Like, like, like it sounds. It yeah. sounds. It sounds like he. It just what as he's saying it, he's realizing it. Like he, like he's talking we, about yes. how she just got back with her boyfriend, but then it's bringing up the feeling of this girl he loved back in love with her boyfriend, and he's getting sad as he's talking about it. Yes, you know, like, I can't believe she just got back with her nigga, and he's just saddened, you know. And it's just, it's once again, like as I've been saying this whole time, he does not feel love and affection, and so he just will pl- replace it with whatever else, and he just tries to replace the love he didn't get from his father with you know girls and it's not working out like it's just he he keeps falling in love but it's just not working out and so you know that's why all his relationships you know are just ending badly in every format whether it's him murdering or like raping somebody or some girl just leaving him and like not being there or going back to her boyfriend you know and yeah this sounds you know uh, he says one part where he's like, her name is my password. That's some shit I would have done sophomore year, dog. <laughs> it's like sophomore junior <laughs> year. It's not really like, her name is my password, you know? Like, so if y'all looking for some money, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, that, like, you know, and so this is really, this feels like you're reading a teenager's journal entry after having a really bad day. Alan? So, you guys already said everything that I really could say about why it does resonate with me so well. Mm-hmm. The one thing I'll add is that the bars are really raw and in a, in a really like pitiful way, relatable mm-hmm. where he's mm-hmm. like, where over and over the one thing that, well, I sometimes I'll cringe when he says things like her name is my password. Fuck. It's this girl. Mm-hmm. And everything just comes back to, it's this girl, this girl. And then you say, 
you say some weird shit and then you're back to this girl and so even with the raw production and the way that the song isn't even really upbeat you can still walk away from it thinking it's this girl and you really can just get into the vibe of the song that way mm-hmm. while it still is one of a song where he wants you to i think focus on the words again and really have an impact of how much of tyler's life is occupied by this girl who's like his online passwords and and all that shit everything he's thinking about so it super worked for me this is one of the examples where i feel like tyler comes together kind of at his on his a game rap wise and production wise and just weaves them together to make a great song so absolutely, I think this is, would be one of the best songs to throw on the playlist. Uh, great pick. He has a line where um, he says, yeah, go ahead. What does he say? Well, the line where he says, it's one of my favorite lines on a song, video chats are so exciting because it's like she's inviting me to her world, her world full of privacy. And I was like, wow, that is like such a great image of like yeah like when you're you know laying on your bed you know facetiming you know some girl and you know she's laying on her bed facetiming you like nothing next day but you're just like you know sitting there talking or whatever uh and it's just like wow like i do feel like i'm in like we're in our own like i'm in your world right now as you are in mine um you know it just really feel like a private thing and so i thought that was a really great line Milo, you were gonna say something Oh, just real fast. Alan brought up some, some kind of cringe. I, this song, the only cringe I got off of this song was I, I, he says she lives next door to the store I loaded her at. And I got mm. some supermarket vibes off of that. <laughs> uh, and that's when I was like, uh-huh. I, the, actually, it gave me a bad, bad. Like, I didn't have high hopes for the song when I heard that, but he completely turned it around. Mm-hmm. Um, I mainly there's so many songs this album that I feel are important, but like, are there any other songs that we feel are like must mentions before we close out? I think. I mean, if we if not, I feel like we could probably end on Golden, which is just the last track. I got, I got one more that we have mm-hmm. to throw on. It's what? how are we not going to talk about analog, dude? Are you? Oh me? God, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yep. How to miss analog? Yeah, so this is this is one of the songs that okay, this is a I don't know if you guys have heard the term this music might scare the host. This is one that like would not. This is one that you could play and it is like on just a musical turn up level yeah. is hella good. Right. Like I could grab the fireworks and go to all the cookies. It's so it's also it's, good, dude. It I still love that. hits so hard it's as one of his best hooks. <laughs> yeah, this is like one of the biggest songs of that summer for me, just because driving in the car uh, with this and the song's all about like getting just having a good time yeah we got to talk about it haji goes hard perfect song in my mind let's forget that that's Haji that does that like i never think about that being haji for some reason but um yeah i could grab the fireworks and soda all the cookies we could eat make you nauseous but be cautious this is not dawson's creed I, oh my god! I just the the hook is so mesmerizing. Um, I, I I love it. Um, and yeah, this is like Tyler's softer song, you know. Um, and he mentions on OFT Volume Two, which came out the year afterwards, the whole off feature tape was uh, people either want the analogs and the kiss me by the lakes or the Tron Cant and you know rape. <laughs> it's like people always like like there's there are two very stark sides of them. 
Um, but this is this is what he would become. This is Igor much mm-hmm. more than Tron Cat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's time to bring the old Milo back. <laughs> I wasn't the biggest fan of this song. Not that I hated it. Mm-hmm. It's not like something I would go out of my way to skip. Like, please, just go to the next track. Mm-hmm. But I just, the only thing I was really here for was Tyler. When the feature was rapping, I tuned out. And that actually happened to me on another song. Window with all those mm-hmm. other people, Domo, yeah. Genesis, Haji, all those people. I legit zoned out on that song and then Tyler start on window and then Tyler started talking and it was like waking up and clap. Oh, shit. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, that's pretty much all I have to say about analog to me. It was a pretty unremarkable song. It was, uh, that's it. Damn. All right. Okay. Fair enough. Um, all right. So yeah, if all good, we'll end on golden. So Golden is the last song of the original, but if you listen on, I think, Spotify, they might only have the deluxe, I'm not sure. So the deluxe has three more songs to it, but it really ends on Golden. Golden is the ending track to just give you this last and final statement, you know, not even necessarily summary of the album, but just a final statement to send you off with, you know. So this is this is all the shit I'm dealing with now. Uh, we got to end this session. I'll see you next time, you know. Um, and just his very first verse starts off with, Mom is getting jealous. I see my manager more than I see her before I go on tour and it hurts. You know, like it is all right. These are the problems I have off the back. This is actually where it feels like this is the, this is where it feels like you're really actually listening to a therapy session. The first track and the last track are the two tracks that sound the most like, oh, wait, like there's a lot of talk back and forth between Dr. TC and Tyler and that Tyler's just naming off shit that's going on in his life. Um, every track in between sound more like just regular songs but that's what i'm saying i think why tyler writes stories so good or makes story albums so good is because he knows how to open and close them like a story should be also um milo what do you think so a lot of the impact that this had on you you two both you and alan are way more familiar with tyler's discography and who tyler is as a person than i was Mm -hmm. coming into this so listening to it, I was not aware that this was supposed to be the end of the album because I was listening to the Spotify version, which turned mm-hmm. out to be the deluxe version. So, and just, I would say it's not a strong close off the fact that nothing about it sh- struck me as the end. Whereas I know albums we've reviewed in the past, there are songs where at least two of us have agreed, at least mm-hmm. that this should have been the last track, just the way mm-hmm. it sounds, the way that the person's spitting. So I couldn't really speak to how good of a bookend it is other than that. It just didn't really sound like the end, mm-hmm. but it is, it is, it's definitely not a skip for me. I wouldn't skip this. There are some, there's some good substance here there, especially the line where he says, quote, they're missing the new album. I'm missing my only friend End quote. Mm-hmm. And I just picture Mario and a tear dropping down his face for Luigi. And I feel like Alan would appreciate this. So there's another line where he goes, I say odd, you say few. Nah, that's corny. Yeah, I love that line. And- <laughs> that's the toughest part. So, no, no, it's corny as the- fuck. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> the way he illustrates madness and just a demented mindset is, is just crazy to me. And the the only thing, I guess, it's not a, this is not a criticism. It's a question to both of y'all. If you could please explain 
the line, why my dick harder than the white kids who copy shit? Because white people love copying him and they get boners off copying him. Mm-hmm. They love him so much they just copy him. They're getting hard off of it. Okay. They love him. Yeah, you you get it. It's not as deep as you think it is. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. It's uh, this is a great song. Um. I. This is Tyler also coming out just saying once again a lot of his own personal stuff, and I think I had to get a final statement on this on this song and really the whole album in general is Tyler is a performer. Tyler loves, once again, Tyler loves to perform. He loves attention. He loves showing you what he can do. Um, one of the best things about Tyler the Creator early on was his uh, live performances. People loved them. Alan and I got to see him perform live, you know, one time at the Wolf Anniversary Show in Pomona. It was amazing. Uh, and he loves doing that in live performances, but he also loves doing that in his albums. And the kind of how you said how he displays like madness. He really does. He really displays like a, you know, uh, demented like teenager in a therapy session. He like fully puts on on display for you. And it's like, wow, like this kid has problems. I don't think his problems are what he's saying. I think they're deeper than all the rape shit, but this kid definitely has some issues that we need to deal with, you know? And so I think, I think he just, he, he takes what he's feeling and he displays it perfectly. Kind of how we mentioned the opposite being um, the depression song by uh, Nelly Chopper was he might've really been feeling legitimately depressed or sad or whatever, but it did not come out like that. It came out like fake as hell. This is Tyler fully performing and it hitting an A plus in my opinion. So just to kind of wrap up what I think and to play off of what you just said there, Mark, I think this album ends in kind of a, almost a more hopeful tone than I would have expected. Mm-hmm. What, and maybe that's just me kind of reading another reading onto it, having looked back at Tyler's career. But when Dr. TC comes in and he says, I'm your best friend. I know everything about you. I'm your conscious. And then he says, I'm Tron cat. I'm ACE. I'm Wolf Haley. I'm, I'm me. Mm-hmm. To me, that shows Tyler as accepting who he is as I'm going to get past part of this trauma because I need to accept who I really am. And to me, there's this kind of, just the way that there's people talk about old Kanye and new Kanye. To me, there's a very distinct old Tyler, middle era Tyler and new Tyler. And this is, this song is really the bookend to that old beginning Tyler Mm -hmm. where he's going to come back on Wolf and a lot of the edginess is going to be a lot lighter it's and it's not gonna really it's so edgy but all the horror core is gone it's all gone yeah it's i mean tyler is still tyler as he still Mm -hmm. is today with like always gonna be a little edgy Mm -hmm. but he's not gonna he's not gonna talk about raping taylor swift again for attention yeah uh so so to me this this song really serves its purpose well when you, if you if you are someone who likes looking at albums in the context of someone's career, this is a great way for him to say, "This is the end of the horrorcore weird Illuminati Nazi." Mm-hmm. Starting with Wolf up to Cherry Bomb, I'm going to be something else. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, great, just wait, great way to close it out. It starts out basically as insane as the rest of the album, but at the end, when Doctor TC comes in and takes over. 
and says, I'm you, Tyler. And then Tyler accepts Wolf. He accepts Ace. I like how it kind of tied up neatly. And then with Wolf, he can kind of come in and focus on other stuff, building up to Cherry Bomb, which is him just, in my mind, him at his happiest, having the most fun. Mm-hmm. So he's on this show shows me Tyler was really on his way and I, I can't ask for a better way to close out the record. Mm-hmm. This to attempt to redeem this album from some of its problematic aspects is kind of so, you know, the irony it's crazy. It plays out like Shutter Island where you have this crazy protagonist spoiler alert. So leave now. The whole movie is him playing out his madness and it's through playing out his madness that he's finally confronted with it. And then at that point, the hero has a choice. He continues. He chooses to get lobotomized because he can't handle reality. So make better choices than that. But the point is the cure for his insanity wasn't suppressing it, mm-hmm. but playing, playing it out. And it happened for Tyler over these two therapy sessions, starting in bastard and continuing goblin and by the end as alan pointed out you've got the, you know i guess tc coming off from behind you know the he he's the wizard of all like it's me like he's yeah, coming from behind yeah. the curtain and as as both of you mentioned when you move into wolf all of that stuff it's really it's really cathartic all that stuff mm-hmm. is purged out of him mm-hmm. and we get a more mature Tyler from that point forward. Yeah, that's, I mean, y'all said the best. Great. All right, let's plug this into the Spicermeter. Uh, Alan, what are you giving this? This thing is really fucking spicy. This thing is an album that I've loved, I mean, since it came out. Obviously, it hasn't aged perfectly, and I don't think Tyler... Tyler would probably say in 2011, I want 27-year-olds to be off-put by this. Mm-hmm. So, mission accomplished. I was off-put by Bitch Suck Dick. But other than that, like you'll see how Igor came to be. You'll see just Tyler's career as a whole is just really fascinating to follow. And this is kind of a step up from Bastard quality-wise, in my opinion, and really sets the stage for this new era of Tyler that's going to follow. So super spicy. Hello. I'm going to go ahead and give this album a very spicy Tyler, the creator, you are invited to the cookout with logic six, nine and Aubrey. You're welcome to join us. Uh, I give it a very spicy with caution though. This is, this is totally not vegan. This is the, in fact, (laughs) Well, I don't even know. That's this is like eating veal or foie gras. This is a baby calf that you're eating. This is a goose's liver that was force fed in a factory farm. So just be aware of where this meat came from, although it is very spicy. That's a great description. <laughs> um, yeah, I am also giving this a very spicy. This is the real true debut album of my favorite artists, you know, and you know, I kind of explained a little bit why during this. Um, so I'm also giving this very spicy. Do we have a rate? Do we have something like we have ragu for all very bads? I don't know if we've had all very spicy yet. Do we, I'd do say we? wasabi. Just wasabi? Uh, this, yeah, this shit might be wasabi. <laughs> our, our first certified wasabi review. Oh, like, let's go. Um, but yeah, uh, 
our next album was recommended by Alan. It is by the artist Navy Blue. Uh, he was featured on Earl Sweatshirt's some rap songs. Um, but it's his album Song of Sage Post Panic. Uh, came out this past December. And so we are super excited. Oh, I almost forgot, though. We do have to pick two songs for the playlist. Uh, Alan, what are you going for? So one is for sure She. And... See, I don't want to just give someone, like, Nightmare to listen to out of context, right? Yeah, so I'm gonna that's go... a little tits. <laughs> so I'm going to go... Sh- she and i'll go another i'll go another catchy song analog yeah um honestly okay milo i'll let you go first (laughs) definitely she no questions no commas and see i'm i'm filtering my responses because of what i feel like her Uh and tron cat are along the lines of nightmare yeah, I would say so too. I don't know. A lot of songs another... on this album, March, to be honest. <laughs> what was another one that I was really hype about? Uh, sandwiches. So I'll do She and Sandwiches. Yeah. As much as I could possibly agree with you, Milo, I am trying to look out for our listeners and people on a playlist might not be expecting to hear some of the things that Tyler is going to say. And so uh, I am going to agree with Alan and pick she and analog just because they're not as abrasive songs they are songs you could put on for the most part like it's that's still you know got some shit but like you know they're not as um vocal oh my god what's the word vocabulary (laughs) the fuck sorry they're not they're not as bad as some other songs and so yeah, I'm going to go with She and Analog. Uh, we're going to add those two songs to the playlist. Um, but yeah, anything else you want to say before you end this? No, I draw this meeting to a conclusion on this 3rd February at 6.45 p.m. <laughs> <I>, uh, peace. <laughs> Ciao.